about it, but let's start. I'll mention Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm not researching the whole Shaila. I know, obviously, famously, Rav Soloveitchik used to give a, a shear Thanksgiving shear, and then he would go to, uh, you know, to have a, I don't know, a suda, whatever it was. I'm sure people will comment and send me things that I'm misquoting uh, it, but it was a famous thing that he gave a shear on Thanksgiving. So I, I just will say this about the Shiloh of Thanksgiving in general. Again, do, do, do your thing, but just as a quick background, the issue conceptually would be uh, not to go in the So the question is, well, what's the definition of chukzakum? I mean, goyim also wear pants, so we can't wear pants. Like, goyim, like, like wear coats. Like, they eat food, we eat food. So, like, what, what's the definition? So there's a sheet of the Ramah. The Ramah brings down opinion of the Marik, that there's two, basically three definitions of chukaseim leiselechu. One is if they do it for Avodah Zarah, obviously can't do anything that's done for the church, obviously can't go. So it's a double portion. Things that are involved, Avodah Zarah, you can't be uh, involved with. But uh, Thanksgiving is not involved with uh, the church. So, in the beginning maybe, but not in the last 200 years. So, the other two in Yonim is things that are done for inappropriate reasons. Meaning, if there's a Goyesha rule, on Haga of Goyim, that's done purely to be promiscuous, that's obviously not allowed. That's not the case here. The only thing that is a shaila is the last one. The Marik says that something that Goyim do, they have no tam. There's no reason for it. There's no reason. They just do it. No tam. That you can't do. That's chukasakum. If it doesn't have a legitimate reason, that's a problem with chukasakum. So obviously that gets very, very uh, hazy. So conceptually, there is an Indian of of of, you know, taida. Taida is not uh, a Narisha thing. It, it, there's a reason for it. That would be the conceptual reason of why it would be okay. Others would argue that the concept of just having a special day, just on, uh, you know, to give thanks. Uh, well, what's, the, what's the Indian of that? I, I don't know. You have to know, but that, that, that's the crux of the Shailah of Chukzakum, and those are the three Gedarm of Chukzakum. So you have to always ask, is it under one of those three Gedarm? If it is, then it's a problem. If not, not. I don't, I can't imagine it is. I think maybe it's a narish azach, maybe it's unnecessary, and maybe it's, uh, you know, but I don't think to say also, I think that would be a, that'd be a bit of a stretch. Also, at this point, I don't even think it means anything. At this, at this point, it's just a day off for people to watch football. Like, I, I don't know, I'm, but uh, Turkey and football, that's what it is. But conceptually, that's where the Shiloh is based on. I didn't really plan on talking about that too much. Let's go into the Shilohs that I have uh, written down. Uh, and again, as we're done, I'm happy to take questions as we go along. The first question is something that happened this past Shabbos. Anytime yeah. something happens in the shul on Shabbos, I like to mention it this coming Tuesday, uh, the Tuesday shir, just to address it. Uh, State of the Union. Uh, this was a, a very subtle thing. Someone got an aliyah this past Shabbos. And, uh, you know, completely honest mistake. He made the first bracha before Kriya Satayra, instead of Asher Brachar Bonu, he said Asher Nasan Lanu. Uh, most people didn't catch it. I didn't. I wasn't. Uh, I was uh, all over the place. I didn't. I didn't catch it. So he said the bracha, and the balkar was about to start. The balkar looked at me. It's sort of like, what, what do we do here? So Baruch Hashem, I don't remember much things, but Hashem put this in my mind. The Mishabura sheet is like this. The Mishabura in Simin Kuf Lamed Tesef Katan Tesvav says as follows: Let's say you start with the wrong bracha instead of Asher Bachar Banu, which you're supposed to say before Kriya Satayra. You started saying Asher Nasan Lanu. So Im Nizker Kaidim Shamer Hashem Echasima. Let's say you say Baruch Atah Hashem Echasim Nasan Lanu Teresem Zchayim Tavisecheinu. And then you remember, so you're middle of the bracha. Then yaslam Then just you're middle of the bracha. Then just go back and say asher bracha and fix it because you haven't finished the bracha yet. But that wasn't the case here. 
Let's say you finished the bracha and you said the wrong one. The sheet of the Magan Avram is you just reverse it. You say Asher Nasan Lanu before, okay, then you say Asher Bachabanu afterwards. That's the Mishaburu's Pshita, so I told the person to do. Now the Sharetzian does bring down that those that disagree, and they say, no, if it's done out of the order, you have to fix it, and you have to say, uh, repeat the Brach, Asherah, but the Mishaburu's Psak and Safi Brachas Lahakos, that's what you do. So if you ever find yourself in a situation, calm, everyone's going to scream, everyone's going to lose their minds, Asher Nasan Lanu, okay, Shun, Lane, and then after Lane, you say Asher Bachar you said the same Brachas, you just said it in the wrong order. Yoyt design that's not, a, not, not, a, not an issue. That's the first halacha that I wanted to mention. Um, okay. Now, the second halacha was like this. Uh, obviously, I want to make this clear before I start. Davening with a minion is an incredibly important thing. And as I get older, I realize how important it is. When you're in yeshiva, okay, it's not the most, you know, a lot of bachram are not as makbid on it as they should be, myself included at the time, because you're like, I'm learning all day, and, uh, you know. But it's not, it's not a good thing. I remember <laughs> one of the big arguments that I used to have with my father. And I think he's, I don't know, we're both right. We're both wrong, we're both right. I think we're both right. Um, we used to daven when we used to go to California for the summer. We didn't go to California. When we used to go away for the summers, um, a lot of times you'll have minyanim that daven during the week. I'm not talking about Friday, because Friday is a whole different sugya. Friday, it's called tarte disaster, which they're davening basically mincha mayrav at the wrong time. Mincha Mayrav cannot be davened at the same time because Mincha means yesterday, Mayrav means tomorrow. There's got to be something in between. In between could be Plag, could be Shkia, could be Tseis, but there's got to be something in between. Sunset, Plaga Mincha, Nightfall, there's got to be something that separates. Let's say Plag is 6.15, Shkia is 7.30. And in between 6.15 and 7.30, Davin Mincha Mayrav doesn't work because... It's a contradiction. It's like, what, what, what is this time period? If this time period is yesterday, then Mincha makes sense. But if it's Mayriv, then it's tomorrow. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. Now, the only time that people do it, including here, during the summers, is Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos. Now, I'll just tell you like this, the whole Erev Shabbos, that we do 7 o'clock Mincha Mayriv. Now, I, I, I'll be completely honest, people have asked me over the past, like, why are we allowed to do this? So, there's two answers. There is a shita of the Taras Chaim brought down in the Bir Alocha that he felt that Erev Shabbos, you can do it even though it's frowned upon in general, but Erev Shabbos, in order to bring Shabbos in early, no, it's not the end of the world. The real answer is that people won't come. <laughs> I, I, when we started the Minion in the old place, I remember I was very, I was very from, and I said, we're not doing it. We're not doing it at 7 o'clock. Most decisions in Hashivenu involved me getting very upset in the beginning, and then over time, I just, my father said, like, calm down, yes, calm down. So in the beginning, I said, we're not doing it, we're not doing it, it's, it's not allowed, we're not doing it at 7 o'clock. So what happens during the summer? You're either going to do early Shabbos. I don't mean 7. I mean early or late. The problem is early is like 6.15. Late is like 8.20. So there was one week where we had eight people. And that was Claudia Searle's way of saying to me, this is not working. We're not, we're not coming to a 6.15 and we're not coming to an 8.15. We want a 7. So that's the Hanhag of Claudia Searle. But during Friday, at least you have the Teres Chaim to rely on. But during the week, it's a bit of a problem. So during the week... I don't know. I don't know what people do. But I'll tell you, like, during the week... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. But people won't come here. We're not Chabad here. But uh, the point is... So during the week, though, it's a problem. So I was finding myself out of town where they just had a 7 o'clock throughout. So I told my father, I'm Davin B'Echidus. The Mishabura says, it's better to Davin B'Echidus than to Davin at the wrong time. My father did not like that. And I, I see where he's coming from. He, he's saying, you can't live your life. just not going to shul. Like, it's just not, it's not a good, it's not a good approach. 
I think we're both right. I, I think that technically, on a technical reason, yes, you're supposed to dami yechidus, but it's not a good thing for you to not, it's like a, you know, the Debetzin Rav was asked to Shaila, are you allowed to not wear a yarmulke for your job? It's not applies anymore, and Baruch Hashem now, I would say, there's no more anti-Semitism, but that's not true. But, but conceptually, at least there was a period of time where you can get away with wearing a yarmulke. But the, the point is, the Shiloh was asked, if let's say wearing a yarmulke means I won't get the job, am I allowed to take off my yarmulke? So the truth is, wearing a yarmulke is a minig. You're not obligated to lose your job to keep a minig. But says the Debetzin Aruf, so he says, technically you're allowed to not wear a yarmulke, but he says, a Jew should not spend his whole day not dressed the way you're supposed to be dressed, not having anything on top of your head. That's not, that's not the way a Jew lives. And he says, don't take the job, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, will, will supply. And, and the end of the Maisa, and the truth is that the person didn't take the job and he made a lot more money in other ways. So the point is the same thing with a minion. It's not, there are times where technically it's okay to not dab with a minion. But I, I will say this, this is not something that should be done on a larger scale. I was just telling someone in, uh, 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 last night that Rav Gamliel, Rabinowitz, a big tzaddik, he's very... Uh, He's very into minion. That's why minion and kivur While it is, while I'm about to say there are situations where maybe you don't go to a minion, it's not something to be to be uh, to be applied. But I just want to mention two situations. I'll actually mention that. That's a good point. So I wasn't going to mention that, but I'll mention that. It's a good shayla. Davening with a nates or davening with a minion, which is better. So there's basically two opinions amongst the paiskim. The Vilna Gain feels that it's better to daven with a minion. Minion beats nates. The Chazanish seem to completely disagree, and the Chazanish seem to feel from Maisa'ish that Nates beats Minion. So the Mishabura's approach is sort of a middle ground, and that is if you're a Nates guy, let's say you're a guy that goes to Nates all the time, or not even all the time, but there's, let's say, one month a year where you're a Nates. Like, so you go to Nates, let's say, every day, and then one day you find yourself in a situation where there's no Minion for Nates, then go to Nates. But for a guy like me... I never go to Nate's. So if one day I happen to wake up at 5.30, or whatever Nate's is, and I say, well, I'm going to have a Nate's without him in. So it, it depends. If you are a Nate's person, the Mishabura's opinion is that you should go to Nate's and you, you at least could go to Nate's and it might outweigh a minion if you're someone who does consistently in that approach. But I want to mention two other halachas that I think people are not necessarily aware of. And that is, let's say you need the bathroom. But if you go to the bathroom, you'll miss the minion. It happens all the time, especially with men with tefillin. You're like, oh, I kind of need the bathroom, but if I go to the bathroom, I take off my phone, I'm, I'm going to miss a minute. So a lot of times there's like a, a natural reaction to say, let's just, I'm just going to daven. I'll go to the afterwards, I'll, I'll go home. I'll go. So this is the psak. this is from the Sefer Isha Yisrael, I think we learned this together recently, Daf Kuf Yud Aleph. He quotes, it's from the Mishaburah Simen Savi Beis of Katanei, then the Mishaburah says like this, if you need the bathroom to such an extent that you can't wait 72 minutes. The halacha is that if a person needs the bathroom, when I say the bathroom, I mean gedolim, sitting down gedolim. If you need a ketanim is a machlekes, but I'm just going to go lukuliyamus, gedolim. You need the bathroom, your stomach's bothering you. If you cannot wait 72 minutes and you daven, you're not yoitza. That's called tefilose te'eva. So let's say your mom's stomach's bothering you, like, listen, I have about a half hour, I cannot wait 72 minutes, and you quickly daven, you're not yoitza, you're tefilah. So that's a dover poshit not to daven in such a situation. But let's say you find yourself where you could wait an hour. But I need the bathroom. I, I, I feel like I need the bathroom back. I could wait. It's not, you know, if I was stuck on the highway, I'd be fine. The Mishabura says, it is better to daven b'yichidus, meaning, go to the bathroom, make sure that your body is a gufnaki legamri, that you could talk to Hashem, all my organs praise you, even internally. There's no waste. I am clean. It's better to do that, even if it means missing minion. That's the psak of the Mishabura. There's one other situation that I would also advise, this is for the men. This happens a lot. 
you'll come to shul, and you realize, I left my tefillin at home. So you have two choices. You could either just daven without your tefillin, and then after davening, someone will let you put it on. Or, you go to Yishtabach, and you sit there. They'll finish their Shemon Esrei, then they'll give you your tefillin, their tefillin to borrow, and you daven Shemon Esrei with tefillin. So you have Shemon Shemon Esrei with tefillin, but no minion, or daven with a minion, but no tefillin. So the Mishabura in Simen Samech Vav, Sivkot and Mem, brings down from the Magan of Ram, it is better to daven B'Echidus. Saying Shema and Shemon Esrei without tefillin, Shemon Esrei, not as much, but Shema is made a Deshek you're saying, you're talking about the importance of wearing tefillin, you're not wearing it. It's considered a contradictory act. Therefore, it is better to wear tefillin for Shema and Shema Esrei, even if it means missing the minute. So if you find yourself, if you go to shul, a lot of times you have this, and I, don't, I never like to tell people what to do at the time, but just no, you go to shul and you don't have tefillin, don't just daven Shema Esrei and then put tefillin on afterwards, like, uh, you know, just quickly say Shema. That's not the approach. You go to Yishtabach, finish Yishtabach and sit there. That way also, because if you wait to the beginning, it's just a balagan. Go to Yishtabach and sit there, and someone, when they're Doshman and Esrei, they'll give you their tefillin, and then you'll daven with tefillin on. And yeah, you probably will not be davening with a minion, because by the time you get up to them, they'll be way gone. Okay. But Shain, that's a second example where it is better to daven b'yechidus with tefillin than without tefillin. Um, okay. So I want to clarify one point, because I, I talked about this Friday night, and then it's led to a question, and I just wanted to touch on this a little bit. So I mentioned Friday night that one of the tefillahs, it's a very beautiful tefillah, that we say on Erver Shchaydish, not Erver Shchaydish, on the Shabbos preceding Rosh is uh, the Yihiratzon. So the issue with that Yihiratzon is, is a couple things. The Yihiratzon that we say, It's a very beautiful tefillah. There's two issues. One, it has, it's filled with personal requests on Shabbos, which as we'll talk about in a second, you're not supposed to make personal requests on Shabbos, which I'll explain why and when it's permitted. Secondly, at the end of the tefillah, it says, B'schus tefillahs rav slash rabim amen selah. And there's always a confusion, what do you do? Do you just say rav? Do you just say rabim? Do you say both? Which I was told, someone told me Rabbi Obam says both. I don't know, someone told me. He says rabim, someone told me he says both. Kamarna says both. Uh, saying both is a little funny. If that's your Messiah, that's one thing. But like Pashas, I, I wouldn't say both. He says Rabbim, okay. So okay, let's clarify that. And then some just don't say anything. Just skip that whole little bracket. So let, let me just explain. So the Sefer Sharim and of Allah says you should say Rav. Why? Because he says the Tfila of the Hiratzon was actually authored by Rav, Rav the Amora. Rav used to say it every day at the end of his Shmonesre. The Gemara in Brachas, Daf Tezai, enlists the personal tefillahs at the end of their Shmonesres of every Amorah that they would say every day, during the weekday. Rav said that tefillah at the end of every Shmonesre. That was his, the ending of his Shmonesre. So what you're saying is, Beschus tefillahs Rav, the tefillah of Rav, Amen Selah. And the Sharmin Senem Alacha says that the, the Rabim, he feels, is an error. Why? Because he says what originally was is Beschus tefillahs Rav, Rav the Amorah. The printer didn't know who Rav was. He thought it was the rabbi of the shul. And he was like, why would I give a blessing to the rabbi? I give a blessing to the congregation, Rabim. And he changed it. That, that was his theory. So the truth is, the Sefer Divri Torah, which is the Munkacher, he quotes from the Bnei Yisoscha, the Bnei Yisoscha Maget Aluma, he actually feels that the whole word, the whole thing is, B'schus Tfilas Rav, he actually feels the entire thing is a mistake. He thinks that it was actually a printer's error, 
it was originally Bez Tuf Resh. And it was Brachos Tfilas Rav. It was just a, like a Maramakom, it was just a, a source. Just for the printer to know where it is, it was Brachos, Mesechas Brachos Tfilas Rav. The printer didn't know this. He thought it was Bez Tafresh, Bischus Tfilas Rav. That's the Munkatra said, that the, the, the Bnei's Hasan. But the Munkatra feels that it actually makes sense to say Bischus Tfilas Rav, and he says, This is why. I said before that it's a bit of a problem. How are you allowed to say this Tfila? It's personal Bakasha San Shabbos. We do not make personal Bakasha San Shabbos, as I'll explain in a moment why. So, how are you allowed to say that Tfila? So, short answer, simple answer is I don't say that Tfila personally. Uh, Chabad doesn't say it. The Balatania was again saying it. I believe the Gra didn't say it either. I don't know about Svardim. What are we talking about? Different, Different version. Okay. So I want to make this clear because we spoke about this afterwards. Chabad says the rest. They say the Molid. They say what their Rishchodesh is. They, their Yichacheyu is super short. It's cut out half of it. They cut out all the personal requests of Yichacheyu. It's just like Yichacheyu Kedush Baruch Hu, like the Amen Like It's very, very short. Nusrach just takes it all out? Oh, hilarious. Okay, so... Oh, so they take out Schus Filos Rav, Rabim, they know what Okay, so funny. Oh, so it's Nusrach Svart says. Nusrach Svart has this problem. Okay, that's hilarious. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So check Nusrach Svart. So the point is, so I'll tell you like this, the Munkacher, the Munkacher Rebbe, the Minchas Eluzer, he says the reason why it's in Divrei Torah Chelik Dalit Simukov Zayin that he says the reason why you say Bischus Tefilas Rav is as follows: How are you allowed to say the Tefila? It's personal bakashas. So he says this is what you're doing. You're not actually davening it. You're saying there was a Tefila that Rav used to say during the weekday. Hashem, please remember that Tefila. Meaning, I'm not saying the words. Meaning, we're saying the words, but we're not actually trying to say the words. The, the Munkacher's line is. We're not actually davening. When you're saying all these feels, you're not actually asking for Hashem to, to say this because you're not allowed to say it. It's sort of like Nishabas Garet. What you're saying is, Maskirim is a Tfilas Rav. You're just saying, listen, Rav used to say this during the weekday. Remember what Rav said, please, you know. So it's sort of like uh, dancing around it. That, that's, that's the Munkatra's approach. So it's like this. So the question is, Find that that's just a little bit of a background to back that, that word. So I, I mentioned this Friday night, so, so, um, so I don't think he would mind. So David Levy asked a question. He said, I don't understand it. He said, he told his wife, well, what do you mean? How could you not make personal requests on Shabbos? How women, when they light candles, they, they daven for Parnassa, for the children. So, so it's a good question. So I told him an answer that I thought, but then I was like, let me, let me, let me oh, yeah. So I, I said, okay, let, me, let me look into it. So let me give a bit of a background and I think there's an answer. The answer's not great, but I think this is the answer. So it's like this. What, there is a general issue with saying personal requests on Shabbos. The Ramah in Simen Tov Kuf Dalit even says, we don't say Avinu Malkeinu on Shabbos of Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, and Ne'ilah is the exception, but Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, we don't say Avinu Malkeinu. Why? Why do we say Avinu Malkeinu? Because you're not allowed to make personal requests. Avinu Malkeinu is filled with personal requests on Shabbos. What's the issue with personal requests? So the Ran says, if you daven for personal things on Shabbos, it could lead you to cry. A person davens for parnosa, for shaduchim, for health is different because it might be pikuach nefesh. Plus, it's not health. Shalom bayis. Then you're going to start thinking about what you don't have. And the Shabbos is all about 
Shabbos is kilo malachtach asuya. Shabbos is supposed to sort of live in a bubble, not in a not in a fake bubble. Live in a world where everything's perfect, and you start bringing in all these issues. That that's not that's not a good thing. It's going to lead you to cry. And Shabbos is supposed to be happy. As I mentioned Friday night in the matzah that win, you got to be very careful. It's very very hard not to talk about certain things. But you got to be careful because Shabbos is meant to be not super sad. Okay, so the problem is there are tefillas that are filled with bakashas that we do say. So what's the heter? So there's basically two to three heterim. So first of all, Rishon Mizaman Orbach in Halicha Shloima does bring down, this is not an encompassing heter, but he says you're allowed to ask for ruchniest things. Things that are exclusively ruchni, you're allowed to make requests. Let's say a person is struggling with Lashon Hara. You're allowed to dab and please Hashem help with Lashon Hara. Why? Because he doesn't say why. I don't think it'll lead to, you know, I mean, halavai, it should, but I don't think it lead to, It doesn't lead us to cry. But the major heter, you find tefillahs, like Yehiratzon that I mentioned, and there's other tefillahs. If you look, Yukum Purkin is filled with uh, asking for children and, 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 it, and for, the, for good children, all these things. There are tefillahs that are filled with personal requests on Shabbos. What's the heter? So the heter from the Rishayim is called Teufus Brachas. Teufus Brachas means that if you have a tefillah that is said every day or very routinely and it has a special nusach. It's not like you just going off the cuff. There are words printed in the sitter. So you have typhus brachas. And there's a time that's set. Oh, so, so, there is, so there's a couple elements. So typhus brachas from the Rishayna means that it's said regularly. It has a special nusach. Generally, tefillahs that are said on a regular basis and have a special nusach will not lead you to cry. They're part of the routine, they're not personal, they're not, and especially if they're about Klal Yisrael, those tefillahs will not move you to tears, and therefore the whole concern was that it leads you to tsar, to lead you to crying, these type of tefillahs will not do that. The Yiratzon is said every Erev Rishchodesh, it has a special nusach, it shouldn't, again, it, it's probably not going to lead you to cry, that would be one heter. But what's the heter for women to light candles Erev Shabbos? So, so the, the possible heter would be as follows. Now, it's not a full heter, but the possible heter would be as follows. The place can bring down, and the Piskei Truvis brings it down in some Kuf Pechas. If you look, he has a whole list in, uh, in the... And also he has a section in Tchinas and Shabbos and Chil Shabbos. The place can say that when it's before Shabbos, when it's not Shkia, but before sunset, you're allowed to make personal requests on Shabbos. Even if it's a time period where you've brought in Shabbos, it's not really Shabbos yet. Now... I will say this, in general, it's unclear when a woman lights candles, that could be stronger than just a man saying, I'm a Kabbal Shabbos upon myself. It's a Shaila in general. There's sort of two ways to look at it, right? I'll give you an example. I want to accept, I'm supposed to accept Shabbos early, right? You're not supposed to just accept Shabbos at sunset. You have a mitzvah called Tosef Shabbos. Let's say I want to be super from, I want to bring in Shabbos 10 minutes early. So I say, I'm a Kabbal Shabbos 10 minutes early. That is called an individual's Kabbalah Shabbos. That's an individual. I'm an individual. I will say this, though. Let's say instead of me bringing in Shabbos early, I find myself during the summer, I go to an early Shabbos, and the whole Shabbos sings together Lichadoidi, right? Or Mizmer Shil Yom Shabbos. That is called the Kabbalah Shabbos of the Tzibur. That is a very strong form of Kabbalah Shabbos. It has certain stringencies. I'll give you an example. An individual who accepts upon himself Shabbos as a man can accept upon himself Shabbos with the intention to still drive. A Tzibur cannot, right? I can't daven with the Tzibur and say Baruch with the Tzibur and say, yeah, I'd still like to daven Mincha. It doesn't work. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says. There's a Machleikas HaPoyskim. What about when a woman lights candles? 
can she still uh, drive afterwards? Now, I'm not getting involved in those halachas right now, but what that shayla is based on, it's a shayla in the Rishayinim, the shayla is based on is how do you look at a woman lighting candles? Because it's an interesting way to look at it. You could look at it as she's an individual woman lighting candles. That's an individual Kabbalah Shabbos. Or you could look at it on like sort of like, like a bird's eye view. All the women in the community are being Mechabal Shabbos individually at the same time through halachas deris. It's a tzibar of women being Mechabal Shabbos. You could look at it that way, and therefore it has a very strong Kabbalah Shabbos. If you look at it the first way, then it's still not officially Shabbos on a communal level yet for her, then she could still make personal requests. If it's communal, it's a little bit harder to rationalize it, but that's what I would assume. So because this whole thing is Durabanon, you could assume that when a woman lights candles, it's not yet Shabbos, it's not sunset yet, and therefore she could still make personal requests. That's what I believe would be the heter for that. But just in general, the main point of this is just to know in general, Shabbos, you have to know how to daven and what to daven. You can't just the daven, you have to, again, it's all part of this um, serenity element that the Chazal wanted, that's called Tishbais, the Chazal, really the Torah, the Torah wanted you to have a certain uh, Seviva of Shabbos. That's why like there's a Chassam Seifer, the Chassam Seifer was once asked, what's the Isser? Well, it's, he wasn't talking about planes, because they didn't have planes then, but they had uh, trains. What's the issue of me just being on a train the whole Shabbos? And back then, trains were not like they are now. They were like very bumpy, whatever. I want to ride a bike on Shabbos or uh, on a plane on Shabbos. So some Seifer says, there's a kind of called Tishbos. I mean, even if I don't do any of the 39 malachas, 39 malachas are specific things. But Tishbos means you're supposed to have a certain serenity to Shabbos. There's a certain overall energy, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that Chazal wanted, and you don't have that when you're sitting on a train. You don't have that when you're riding on a bike. Uh, in a plane also, you don't have that. It's, it's a different... It's a diff- so I would say the same thing also for davening. You just have to know... Again, you have to know how to daven. Um, I want to run through some halachas about a topic that you don't necessarily think about until you're in it, and then you, got, you really should know. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we've had a couple Sheva Brachas recently. Uh, so I was by Ari Sheva Brachas, and, we, and the, the, the question came up, Ponim uh, Chadashas. I just want to run through some of the concepts of Ponim Chadashas. You'll know it in the back of your head, just to realize uh, what the story is. Now, Ponim Chadashas means, and I'll talk about part of the wedding. Ponim Chadashas means basically people that are not at the wedding meal. In order to make Sheva Brachas, you need Panam Chadashas. If you do not have Panam Chadashas, and I'll explain all the details, but if you don't have Panam Chadashas, you have 10 people that were there at the whole wedding, the whole time, you cannot make Sheva Brachas. So what do you do? You bench. Instead of seven, a person says, Baruch Asher Baruch the last one where everyone sings together, that's the only one you say. And Baruch Priyagaf, that's it. You don't say the other six. You say one out of seven. There's no Sheva Brachas. Yeah, that you could say. It's a minute. The point is, you just say Asher Baruch, Asher Baruch, and Baruch Piyagaf. That's it. I know, I know this because I had a Sheva Baruchas once where we couldn't get Panu Chadashas. Now, this only happens Friday night because uh, during the week, you'll just call somebody. You'll call somebody say, hey, come, come, come over. But it was Friday night. It was a, it was a winter. By the time we were already to bury the bench, it was come out midnight because everyone was the Chassan Kal didn't show up for like two hours. It was come out midnight. I went in the street I couldn't knock on my neighbor's doors at midnight on a Friday night. There was not one soul on the street for a half hour. So I came inside, and I told the chassan akala, I said, listen, we have a schus. We get to fulfill a halacha that you don't see very often. And that is what to do when there's no panu chadashas. And we just said the last bracha, 
And that's it. So that's that's the concept. That's, it's a very important halacha, obviously, to give. So I just want to run through five or six concepts about uh, Panu Chadashos. First of all, Svardin, the Benish Chai, says that you should try to have two. Panim Chadashos. Panim, plural. We, Ashkenazim are only makud one. Svardin, try at least to have two, ideally. Now, what's the definition of Panu Chadashos? This is getting you a little in trouble. What if you just went to the chuppah and left? <laughs> right? So now, Ashkenazim, by the way, I've learned this over time. There's a lady in the neighborhood. Um, she's probably not going to listen to this. If she does, she knows who she is. She's Georgian. So she called me. She had a certain shayla that she had a certain relative. Eh, that uh, the marriage was not uh, a good marriage, whatever it was. I don't know if it was an intermarriage, but it was not uh, a marriage. Kedas Ma'ishav Yisrael. So she asked me if she allowed to go. So I said, just go to the Badek and wish Malzatov and leave. She was shocked. She was like, I, if I don't stay the whole time, it's Kilo I didn't go. So I was like... I was like, that's the difference. I can go to my cousin's wedding, just wish my husband would leave it. He's not going to notice. But so let's say you went to the chuppah and then you, you, you booked after the chuppah. The halacha is you could still be panu chadashis. Panu chadashis is not the chuppah and panu chadashis is not the, uh, the, the shmorg. Panu chadashis is anybody, meaning panu chadashis means you were not there at the wedding meal. So as long as you left after the chuppah, you were not there during the wedding meal. You could still be panu chadashis. Now, if you're Panu Chadashis, the Chazen Kal will know you booked early, but that's, that's, that's a different issue. But I will say this, though. Sometimes you'll have someone that'll just run into Wishmazov at the very end of the wedding for dancing. They're no longer Panu Chadashis because they were there, even though they didn't eat. They were there during the wedding meal. It's whoever's being present during the Sudas HaChasana. So if you left after the Chuppah, you could be Panu Chadashis. That, that's, that's not an issue because you were not there. Even though you ate, you stuffed your face by the shmorg, that is not considered a problem of Panu Chadashis. By the way, just Agav, I'll mention this just because I mentioned Chasanas. This is completely Agav. I was telling someone, I was just talking at a Chavrusa just now, and I was telling him that I went to a wedding once. Uh, whatever, a guy from the neighborhood got married. Um, and I wasn't that close to him, whatever, but I was invited to the Chasana. So I said, okay, fine. My sister said she's going, so I, I hopped a ride. Before the chasen, I was talking to Rabbi. Before the chuppah, I was talking to Rabbi Bergman. After the chuppah, I, I, Rabbi Olbam was there, so I was talking to him. I was talking to Rabbi Olbam, and after about ten minutes, the shmuz of Rabbi Olbam, my sister says, "Oh, hey, I'm, I, I, I got to ride. I'm leaving. You want to come?" So I said, "Yeah." Okay. I get in the car, and on the way back, I realized I didn't wish Mazlov to anybody. <laughs> not the chasen, not the kala, not the parents. It's like it was a complete waste. So someone asked me. So I told this chavros this. So he asked me, "Are you mekay in the mitzvah?" Right? But the opposite is also true. If it's called You have to go to Chasimakala. So most opinions hold that Mesamechasamakala is some say dancing, but Pashas, if you wish Mazatov, that's a form Mesamechasamakala. You came and you wish Mazatov. But I didn't wish Mazatov anybody. So the Shid of Revelyashiv. Revelyashiv held that a chasana, a chasana and kala want people to be at their wedding. You don't need Rebbe Yashiv to know this. And if, God forbid, nobody showed up, that would upset them greatly. And therefore, bodies. Bodies matter. So he says, if you go to a chasana, even if you don't say mazel tov, you don't dance, but you're there, crashes, wedding crashes, that's, that's something. And you misameh chasen v'kala just by they go out and on their way to the batek and they see a whole room full of people. That's misameh chasen v'kala. So I was, I was yeah, it's a, not the holidays, but something. Now, um, a women and children cannot be Panam Chadashis. Okay, this is based on Halachas. Um, Panam Chadashis have to be there for benching. If they leave before, it's a big shayla. It's a big problem. And I will say this. They, they don't have to bench. They have to be there for benching. Meaning, if let's say they leave in middle, the Panam Chadashis leave in the middle of the meal. 
No, they don't have to get a bracha. The shaila is, do the panim chadashas have to eat at the Sheva Brachas meal? The Ramah and the Kitzah Shulchanar say no. They could just sit there. A lot of times you'll bring in people during dessert. So the minute of Klal Yisrael is they give them a cookie. Like, a, quickly eat. You have to eat something. So what's the pshat? So there is a shita of the chin of a chizda. The chin of a chizda was a big guy. Is it a tshuva sefer? He says you have to eat something. So the Ramah and the Kitzah Shulchan Aruch feel you don't have to. The Ramah and the Kitzah Shulchan Aruch, I mean, this is the Kedai but I think Hanhagas Klal Yisrael, they try to eat something, try to eat something, and that's why you should be makbid about that if you can. One last Shiloh, and then maybe we'll, uh, if there's 10 people, I'll dive a Mayrav now. There's going to be a Mayrav after the Daf thing, but if there's a Mayrav now, I would, I would appreciate it. One last Shiloh is, I just want to mention a sheet of Rav Shleim Zalman and Rav Shechter, because it just came up. So the halacha is, the Ramah, the Shulchan Aruch in Yeridea, Simen Kufchof, Sif Dalid, he says, Tripedish. Tripedish was a, basically a, a oven grates. He was talking about tefillas kalim, dipping kalim in the mikveh. So he says the grates on top of the oven, you don't have to dip in the mikveh. Why? Because the food never touches the grates. They're always in pots or in dishes. Grates in the oven would be the same thing if you never put food directly on the grates. You see, nowadays people put pizza directly on. So if you put pizza directly on, then you have to table it. But if you always put 9 by 13 pans, then it doesn't need to be tabled in the mikveh. The question is, what if you have a, 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 a platter and you want to just avoid going to the mikveh? You'll just put like a like a little like a like a doily type thing, you know, like a cookies. So you want to put like those little uh, you know those doily things, like the cookie holder, little pla- paper things. So you say it doesn't touch it. Rishlaim is Alman Shita, and Rishachta felt the same way. Rishachta feels the same way. If it has to be that it's in a vessel. Meaning, when you have the grates, it's not that the food doesn't touch it. The foods are in a vessel on top of the grates. So if let's say you have a, a dish that you want to give out, and we'll talk about this closer to Purim, Shalach is a big problem because you, can't, you don't title it. It's not sure why you can't title it. But here's the deal. If you put a box of cookies on a platter, it's fine because it's in a vessel on the platter. But says Rosh Hashanah, if you take those same cookies and just wrap it in cellophane or put it in a silver foil, that's not in a vessel. So then it's, then it's an issue. It's not just that it doesn't touch it. It has to be in a clee on the grates or in a clee on the vessels, a separation of a clee. But if it's not in a clee, that he feels is an issue and therefore it would require tefillah's kalim and that is not an etza to avoid it. All right, we'll stop.